Amen. All right, let's, let's, get, let's get right into this. Okay, first of all, we got to talk about dream conflict. Everybody has dreams, okay? And that's a good thing, right? But the problem is, a lot of times, you can't get to your dream because of the conflict between your dream and other people's dreams. There's a conflict there because it's, it's kind of like everybody can't have their dream all at once, right? You, you can't have your dream. But un- understand this also, is that your dream... Getting what you need from God, your dream, is not dependent on somebody else losing what they've got so that you can have what you have. God created everything. So, you know, if you need $100 today, you know, God doesn't have to steal it from somebody else to give it to you. God created everything. He can just create another $100 and put it in your pocket. You know, whatever you need, it's, it's, it's not tied up in that way like somebody else has to, has to be hurt or injured or, or lose something so that you can be blessed. But we have conflict. Joseph was, a, he was an interpreter. He, he, he interpreted dreams all the time. Joseph, though, was interpreting everybody else's dreams, and his just keep, seemed to slip away, through, just slip through his fingers and just keep getting farther and farther away from him. I mean, we, we read real quickly that dream that he had last week, and two, of, two dreams that he had, they were both pointing toward the same thing. And, and, but it seemed like every day that went on, they just got further away. I mean, the dreams are supposed to get closer, right? I mean, if I'm, I'm going to get somewhere, if I'm going to receive this dream, it's supposed to get closer, but it kept slipping away. And yet, at the same time, he was having to interpret dreams for other people. Man, that had to be hard. Isn't that hard sometimes? When you've got problems and somebody else comes to you and says, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you about all my problems. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, you think you got problems. Just, just wait a minute. Let me tell you about some. Or somebody comes and asks you for prayer, you know, and, and, and so you're trying to pray for them and you're thinking, I'm the one that needs this prayer. You ever, you ever been there? I think that's probably a lot of where Joseph got to. No doubt he got frustrated a lot of times. Okay, let me, I, I, I want to pause here for just a second. You know, I want, want, want to kind of stop that, that tape recorder in my head that's going through all these thoughts. I want to just stop for a moment. And I, and I want to ask, is there, is there anyone here who is a frustrated dreamer? Are there any frustrated dreamers in the house with me today? That you've got these dreams, you've got these awesome things that you believe God wants to do for you, but it just seems like it keeps slipping away. An awesome family, an awesome marriage, an awesome job, an awesome future, an awesome career, an awesome education. And it seems like one thing after another just keeps getting in the way. We talked about those things getting in the way last week. I'm not going to go through all that again, but I, I want to, you to think about that. Because I, I know there are. I know some of you are frustrated dreamers. And if you're not careful, what will happen to you is you'll let the dream go. Because you just get so frustrated by it that you won't even be able to hang on to it anymore. But you have to hang on. So let's get into the message. And, and last week I just gave you a few little verses. This week I really want to kind of tell you a little more of the story of Joseph. Okay, so, so let's begin with the pit. Joseph gets thrown in the pit. Let's talk about how he gets thrown in the pit. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 37, verse 23 and 24. When Joseph arrived to talk to his brothers, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern, and, and, and the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So they ripped off this coat that he had. This was a, a coat that his dad had made for him, and, and it was special to him and to his dad because Joseph was the favorite son. That was one of the reasons they hated him. They also hated him because he was having these dreams where he was talking about, you guys are going to bow down to me, and I'm going to be exalted, and you're going to be a base. You're going to have to bow down to me. And so, so they hated him. They, they, they grabbed him. They took off his coat, and then they killed a goat, and they took the blood of the goat, and they put it on the coat 
because they were thinking about killing Joseph. Then they decided to do something else with Joseph. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. And so then they took the coat. After all this happened, they took the coat back to their dad. Now, how much did they hate this man, Joseph? How much did they hate their brother? that they would allow their dad to go through all of this mourning, looking at this coat, and even saying, oh, some wild beast must have killed him. How much did they hate Joseph to put their dad through that kind of sorrow and pain? That's exactly what they did, though. And they threw Joseph in the bottom of, in a pit, in a cistern. You know what a cistern is? It's, it's kind of like a well, except the, the water doesn't come from, you know, you're not digging down to get to water underneath the ground. It just kind of collects water. So a lot of times cisterns are dry because, you know, there's been no rain in a while. This was a dry cistern. They threw him down in there, and, and they're probably going to just leave him, leave him to die. And, and, and so Joseph finds himself in there. But he, here's, here's the conflict between this dream that Joseph had from God and what God wanted to do in Joseph's life. The conflict was Joseph's own dreams. Because when he heard from God and when he saw this vision, saw this dream in the middle of the night, all he saw was, hey, wait, I'm going to be lifted up and you guys are going to have to bow to me. There was a lot more going on in that dream. I mean, there had to be. I mean, is that all that he saw? Because remember, he, he said at the beginning of it, I told you this last week, we read the scripture, he says, we were working in the field. Okay, they were working in the field. There was more going on in this dream, but the only thing Joseph wanted to remember was that part about me being lifted up and you guys having to bow before me. That's all he wanted to remember. And it was this, because Joseph latched on to this part of the dream. It was something about Joseph's heart right then that wasn't right. And because he latched onto this, this was in opposition or conflict, even competition with what God's real dream for Joseph was. So he ends up in the pit because his dream is not aligned with God's dream. They're talking about the same thing, but they're not in alignment. You ever been in a conversation like that? You know, you're talking about the same thing and you, you, you're just not communicating? This is where Joseph was. God had not communicated to Joseph yet. Joseph had not received it yet. It's not God's fault, but Joseph had not received it yet. God had not communicated. He had not received it where, where he was understanding exactly. And he had gotten this idea that it's all going to be about me. It's, it's going to be about lifting me up. And so that's why he ended up in the, in the pit. And, and the number one thing is we talked last week, that's what last week's sermon was really all about, is the number one problem is us. So let's align our dreams. Let's get out of the pit. And I know some of you say, but you don't know what pit I'm in. Pastor, this is so, this is so deep, I can't even see the top anymore. And you know, if you think about it, this is, this is one of the worst places to be because, I mean, there's only one way out, and that's up. You can't go down, you can't go aside, you can't go anywhere. There's only one way out, and that's up. And up is too far to reach. How do I, get, I, can't, I can't get out of here all by myself. You know, it, it's over. But here's one last thing I want to tell you before we go beyond the pit. Is look around you. I know there's blood, right? They killed a goat, right? But look around you. It's not your blood. Now get that. Think about it. It's not my blood. A lot of times it looks like things are over because it's bloody. There, there, there's been some destruction. There's been some death. There's been some trouble in this. But it's not your blood. It's not over for you. God still wants to bring the dream into your life. And so his brothers decide, we'll do something different. Okay, now uh, let's go on because now he's going to be sold into slavery. Okay, uh, in Genesis 37 verse 28, there were some slave, or well, they actually were traders, probably traded a lot of things. Midianite traders came by. And uh, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit, sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. And so they see these, uh, the brothers, Joseph's in the pit, and they see these traders coming, and, and they, they decide, well, 
we don't need to kill him or even leave him here. Why don't we make some money off of him, you know? And so they, you know, they decide they'll sell him into, uh, to these traders who are probably going to take him somewhere. They find out the traders are going to Egypt, and they're thinking, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. Some of the brothers just wanted Joseph dead. They didn't care get him out of the way. Some of the other brothers said, we don't want to kill him, but let's just get rid of him. And so we're going to sell him into slavery, into Egypt. That'll do. And then we'll make some money as well. And so they throw the rope over in, you know, and they're going to pull Joseph out. Now imagine Joseph, he's in the pit, and all of a sudden the rope comes, comes down. And he's saying, thank the Lord Jehovah, my brothers have come to their senses. You know, and he's thinking, he's, they're pulling him out, he's coming up out of the pit, and he thinks, okay, we're, we're going to get up there, we're going to just hug each other, we're going to forgive and forget and go on. It's not over. Have you, have you ever been there where you thought you were coming out of the pit only to find out you're being sold into slavery? It's like you, you're coming out of one problem and then you just, it's like you're just walking into another problem. You're coming out of a pit and they're putting shackles on you, putting you on a cage on the back of a trailer or maybe even making you walk behind a horse, you know, all, all the way. And he's got to go to Egypt and he's being sold into slavery. At some point, I think now Joseph probably, this is probably what happened, is he came to a realization that his brothers didn't like him. Do you think he finally got the idea that his brothers didn't like him? And, and here's, the, here's the bad part is finally now they've moved from just thinking about their hatred to acting on it. You know, and, and sometimes, sometimes we start going through problems and we act as if, well, it's not really that bad. And then all of a sudden we get a big epiphany. Wait a minute, this thing's going south in a hurry. It's going south and it's going bad and it's, it's, this is not going to work out. And he had to realize, no, wait a minute, my mom and dad don't even know where I am. They're going back home to tell them I died. And my 11 brothers, they're selling me into slavery. I don't have anybody to help me anymore. He only had one that he could rely upon. And we need to get to that place. If we want to see the dream come to pass in our life, we have to get to the place to realize that there's only one we can rely upon. Because everybody, everybody else is going to have bad days. People are going to have worse days than you're having, and they're not going to want to listen to what your problems are, and they don't have any strength left, left to help you with your problems because they've been working so hard in their own. And so the, 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 there's no one there to reach it. I mean, this. These traders, are they gonna, they're not going to turn me loose. They just paid money for me. They're going to make money on me. I, I am bound. Wherever they sell me, that's, that's where I'm going to be. And he had to come to the realization. So, so come to the realization. You need to realize. Now, don't over-dramatize it. I mean, nobody likes drama. I would love to have had an amen or something right there. But nobody likes drama. People don't like drama, like, you know, where you make your problems. Oh, woe is me. You know, you know those people who love being sick. You know, there are people like that. Those people who love having problems. Those people who love, I, I mean, you know, we used to say, we had a, a, a lady attended the church, and, and uh, if I called her name, it'd be okay with her. She wouldn't care. But, but I'm not going to call her name, but she attended the church. And we used to say she had the gift of mourning. She loved to mourn. She loved to cry. She loved to weep. She loved to be bothered by problems. Her problems, your problems, anybody's problems. She doesn't care anybody's problems. I love, she just loved to be bothered by problems. She had the gift of mourning. Now, I'm, I'm saying don't over-dramatize it, but you need to be true, to, true and real and, and straight with yourself and say, wait a minute. This is a for real attack and a battle that I'm under. This is not just, we just had a problem last night. And no, this is, a, this is a spiritual attack that I am under. And recognize that there's nobody, there's nobody in this room that can help most of what you and I are dealing with. But there is someone, there is someone that can. And that's the, that's, that's the, the key. It's not the most important. It is the key to your dreams, to everything in your life. It is this relationship right here.
And a lot of times we get tied up with all the stuff that we're doing, trying to, trying to, to, to get a hold of the dream, trying to fix the dream. And we men, we're worse than anybody, aren't we? I mean, we're fixers, right? We see a problem. We want to go to Lowe's and get some duct tape and fix it, right? I mean, that's who we are. We're fixers. And so we see a problem, we want to fix it. And guys, i got to tell you that the solution is not in fixing it ourselves, but in recognizing this is a spiritual attack and I need somebody's help. And the only person that can help me is this person, and it is keeping this thing here right. It's this relationship between you and God. That's the key, is keeping that right. Let me show it to you. They take him to Egypt, and they sell him to a man named Potiphar. And so he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house. And when you become a servant, and, and I mean an indentured servant, I mean a sold, I mean, you're, you're basically a slave. Now, now, listen, I know that we don't know a lot about slavery except for, I mean, we know our dark history with slavery here in this country and, 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 and what it did and, and all of those things, but we don't really know what it was there except we, we do know these things, don't we? We know, we know that he was no longer a person. He was not an individual. He was a piece of property. He belonged to somebody else. There was a whole new set of dreams for him to come in conflict with. Now, all of a sudden, his dreams didn't even matter anymore. Potiphar's dreams are the only ones that matter because he belonged to Potiphar. And look what it says happened in chapter 39, verse 3 and 4. Potiphar noticed this, and what he noticed is how, how much God was with Joseph and how God helped him, and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. And he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And now this piece of property, Joseph, was now over every other piece of property that Potiphar had. And Joseph did so well that he put him over this. Joseph was, man, he was making him money, and he was doing well, and, and he was keeping everything organized, and there were no more disputes between the other household servants and all of that. But there was a ceiling. Y'all know about ceilings, like how, how you know, like in a job, you kind of got a ceiling. You can only go this high because of your education level. Or you can only go this high because, you know, you don't wine and dine all the big dudes in the company. You don't hang out at the places that they hang out. And so you've got a ceiling that is there. Maybe you came from the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe you don't dress as good as everybody. And so there's a ceiling that is there. Joseph had a ceiling, a lot, a lot worse than your ceiling, because his, his ceiling was that he was owned by somebody else. He was not even an individual anymore. And so he had a ceiling. Every dime that he made, or shekel, or a piece of gold, or silver, or whatever he made, every one of them belonged to Potiphar. He could have made a, a million dollars that year, but it all belonged to Potiphar. None of it was his. He, he, he could have worked as hard as he wanted to work, and none of it was ever going to be his. And so what do you do? I mean, you know, that's when it's really easy to shut down, isn't it? You say, well, I'll show them. I don't have to do this. That's not who Joseph was. Joseph worked hard. And even though it was somebody else's, he kept doing what he needed to do. And let me tell you, if you sense yourself being in a place where there's a ceiling, the only way to get by that ceiling, get through that ceiling, to get beyond that ceiling, is to connect with someone who can help you that is above the ceiling. It's about this. It's, all, it's, about the, it's still about this. And, and if the, all the things that keep pushing you down and saying that you cannot be and you can't get your dream and you can't, I mean, Joseph was going through that. It's like, I mean, this was the most cruel joke of all, wasn't it? Is that Joseph had a dream that I'm going to be exalted and my brothers and my mom and dad are going to be bowing to me. And where does he end up? He's the slave. He's the one that is bowing to Potiphar. 
He's the one that has to, to bend to Potiphar's every whim and wish and desire. And, and, and so, isn't that the way it is with dreams sometimes? I mean, you, you get something in your heart, you believe God's about to do something amazing, and, and you, 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 you tell somebody about it, right? Or you speak it out loud, and sometimes you say, Let's, don't, don't speak it out loud, because if you do, then the devil will know what's going on. You know, he knows what's on your heart. But you speak it out loud, and then all of a sudden, it feels like all hell breaks loose. Okay, is that just me, or has anybody else ever had that? You think you've got the dream, and, and you start speaking it and believing it and claiming it and trying to get your fingers wrapped around it, and you think, oh, the breakthrough, it's about to come, I feel it. And then all of a sudden, boom, and it's, it seems like it's worse than it was before because no longer is he just hated by his brothers. He's hated by his brothers, and now he's the servant of some guy that he, he just has to do all that he can do and whatever, the, whatever the, the owner Potiphar says or thinks he's got to do. had to be the most cruel time of all, I think, in his life. Because the very opposite of what he had dreamed was what had come true. And he was probably there for about 10 years in the household of Potiphar. 10 years. I know some of you are looking and you're thinking about your dream and say, Pastor, you just don't know how long it's been. Has it been 10 years? You don't know how, how tough it's been. You don't know how, how long this valley, this battle, I, I've been going, has it been 10 years? Because we know, we know Joseph was in Potiphar's and he wasn't done yet. He did not get the dream at the, end of, at the end of his time in Potiphar's house. Let me tell you the next thing that happened, though. Potiphar had a wife. If you know the story, you know where I'm going with this. Potiphar had a wife, and the Word of God also tells us that Joseph was good-looking. He was good-looking. He was built, okay? You know, he was cut. You know, that, that would probably be our, our terms today because that's what it talked about, him being nicely built. And she noticed and she st started asking him and asking him over and over, G Genesis 39, verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. I've heard people preach this many times, and, and I've preached it also. And talk about, in, in just, a, just a couple of verses down, one day there's not a lot of servants around, it's just him and her. And she grabs a hold of Joseph, and she says, come lie with me. And he takes off, she's got a hold of his coat, and he just kind of pulls out of the arms of the coat, the robe, and, and he takes off and runs. And I've heard people talk about, you know, that's what you got to do. You know, when, when, when temptation comes, you've got to run from it. You've got to flee from it. And so how awesome the power and the strength that Joseph had, the fortitude within inside of him that he was able to run in that moment. But I see a lot more strength right here than I do in that last day when she grabbed a hold of his coat and wouldn't let go of his coat. Because day after day, she kept coming back. But day after day, he kept refusing. You know, there's, there, there's another story of, of, of adultery in the Old Testament. And, and, and the story I'm thinking about is one that, that is really one of the most sad because it is, it is where a man after God's own heart, a man that God chose to be the leader of his people, had gotten caught up into adultery. I'm talking about King David. I mean, it, 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 is, it is the... It is the defining problem moment, the defining low point, the defining of every battle that David had. It's the, it's the defining worst thing that ever happened in his life. He commits adultery. There's a baby that is born. Before the baby's born, he has the husband killed. And then he tries to hide it. The baby gets sick. The baby dies. I mean, the, the, everything that began to happen because of the sin that was in David's life. And, and, 
Everything else I would preach to you pretty much about David, I would be preaching amazing and awesome stuff, preaching about the Psalms that he wrote and how you and I today, a lot of songs that we sing, his words are, are just all filtered throughout them about how God said, he's a man after my own heart. What's he say? He said, we are aligned. You know, my, my heart and his heart, we're in perfect alignment. He is a man after my own heart. But even he messed up this one time. And, and, and the difference in the story with David and Bathsheba and Joseph and Potiphar's wife is this. You only have to say yes to sin once for it to come in. You only have to say yes to doubt one time. When you're trying to believe and you're trying to hang on, you're trying to, you're trying to call those promises as, that aren't as though they are, you're trying to make those things happen, you only have to say yes to doubt one time to come in and get a toehold, to get control, and then doubt will start ruling you. You only have to say yes to anything outside of the will of God one time, but you have to say no constantly. You know, I, I, in my, when I was studying this, and look, you know, this, this is kind of one of those things that sometimes I say, I really don't want to tell people that, God. I don't want to tell people that, you know, you, you got to say no constantly and constantly, but I have to tell you that today. I have to tell you. Why? Because the dream will always be under attack. Every day that you live, the dream is going to be attacked. Every day that you live, your marriage is going to be attacked. Every day that you live, your future is going to be attacked. Every day that you live, your finances are going to be attacked. Every day that you live, your children are going to be attacked. Every day, and, and, and for the marriage you don't have yet, and the kids you don't have yet, and the job you don't have yet, that's what Joseph had. He had a dream of, of tomorrow, and every day the dream of tomorrow was under attack. And so you have to say, no, 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 no. No, no, you have to, every day you have to say no. Because the key is keeping this right. And every day, and, 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 and you know, I, I guess if I were saying, you know, if you want your football team to win next weekend, you, you're going to have to say no all week long to a lot of other stuff. You know, if I were saying that, yeah, I'd have a hard time, say, I'd have a hard time telling you that, like, you guys, but some of you wouldn't have a problem saying no if it's about your team winning, would you? I mean, you know, if it's about that. But I'm talking about a dream. I'm talking about amazing. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about awesome. I'm talking about wonderful. I'm talking about the future that God dreams that you will have. I'm talking about the, the amazing marriage that God always dreamed you would be in. I'm talking about the amazing kids that God dreamed you would have. And, and so when you look at that and realize, then you know what? It's not too much to say no every day because I've got a dream that is amazing that I want to go after. But you, you can't get it unless you keep this straight. We have to keep this straight. And so Joseph, Joseph was falsely accused by her. When, when he ran out of his robe, she began yelling, and they came and she said, Joseph tried to force me to have sex with him. Falsely accused. You ever been falsely accused? Anybody ever said anything about you behind your back wasn't true and you heard about it? Nobody? Just me? Three, four, five? You know, and, and, just, and, and it makes you so mad and you want to go fix them all, don't you? You can't fix them all. Let me tell you, one of the things you have to learn in leadership, and especially in spiritual leadership and as a pastor, you got to learn real quickly to get over everybody knowing that you're right 
you've got to get over that. You've got to get over having everybody having to know that you're right. Let me tell you something that's more important than what men think about you. And it will always be more important than what men thinks about you. It's what God knows about you. What men think about you, it'll come and go. Because you'll do something good in a week and everybody will forget what they thought about you last week. What's more important is what God knows about you. Because if this is right, what he knows about you, it will always overcome what anybody thinks about you. Because it won't matter one day. It won't matter. It won't matter in two years what most people think about you, but it'll matter a thousand years from now what God knows about you. And you may think that th- you may think that's not important, but I-, I take you to example after example after example in the Old Testament about David. Remember David? I was just talking about David. He had that one problem in his life, but everything else was awesome in his life. God said he's a man after my own heart. But you know, when, when Samuel went to anoint the next king of Israel, God sent him to David's house, and he got there, and, and they began to, to parade all of David's brothers in because David was the little boy, you know, and they paraded all the little brothers in. The oldest was there, and God spoke to Samuel and said, that's not him. And Samuel said, nope, not him. And the next one, the next one, over and over, well, this one's really big. God, I think he could be a really good king. God said, that's not him. And just on and on and on, they all come through, and and Samuel said, is this all? They said, well, you know, David, he's watching the sheep. And he said, send for him. What they thought about David was not as important about what, as what God knew about David. And he knew his heart. He knew that this was right. Yeah, there was going to be a problem in a few years. He was going to slip up one big time. But I, 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 David probably wouldn't like me saying this if he were sitting here. But you know what it makes me say? Thank God. Thank God to see a man that, that was after God's own heart. Thank God to see that, that he can slip up and that God can still use him. That you can get to, in the pit or you can get in, 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 into the things that, that you bring up on yourself and that there's still a tomorrow and there's still a hope and God still rescues us out of that. And so what's most important is that right there is what God knows about you. So he's thrown in prison. Where do dreams live? Where do dreams live? You ever thought about that, where dreams live? They don't live in prison. Prison is the place dreams go to die. You ever known anybody in prison? You ever been an acquaintance with someone in prison or a family member or anybody? Dreams die in prison. That's what happens. You go to prison. Somebody throws you in prison. You get thrown in prison for some reason, and, and, and your dreams die. People don't, they don't think about them anymore. I mean, okay, it's over for me now. I got this... You know, this five-year, term, uh, five-year sentence or 20-year or whatever, it's over for me now. I'll be a felon the rest of my life. It's over. Dreams die in prison, but they don't have to. You see, there are so many things in our lives that, that will destroy and kill our dreams, but they don't have to kill our dreams. You don't have to let them. You have to keep the dream alive. They can throw you in jail, but a dream cannot be imprisoned. A dream from God cannot be in prison. A dream from God doesn't get sick. A dream from God doesn't go on vacation. A dream from God does not die if you keep it alive. You have dreams. You keep the dreams alive. And let me show you how Joseph did that. In uh, chapter 39, verse 21 through 23, Joseph's in prison now, and uh, the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge. Favorite, what does that mean? Recognize that word? I, I hear it a lot of people talk about favor. You want some favor with people? You want, you want God to give you favor? We're, we're praying a lot of times. God, give me favor in this world. Yet, what we've got to do is we've got to become the kind of person that God can give favor to. We're trying to work on gaining favor, and all we really need to do is 
keep this right. And when we keep this right, then we are the kind of person that God will give favor to everybody around us because they'll see how God is blessing. And and this is what Joseph did. God gave him favor. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Wow. What an amazing prisoner. That he was so awesome that the the warden put him in charge and then he could just go relax in his office because he knew Joseph was taking care of everything. It would have been real easy to say, I'm in prison, the dream's dead. As a matter of fact, from that scripture last week, way back before we started this whole thing, you know, probably here about 11 years after he told his brothers about the dream. And you know what? We never hear Joseph mention the dream again. 11 years, it's never mentioned again. Maybe he did mention it's just not recorded in Scripture. But it, it, it almost appears, I mean, if you were reading all this and you get to hear, you'd think, well, that dream died. God's got another plan. How many of you have heard that? Or you've thought it in your own spirit as well? That dream God gave me, it's died, and God's just going to have to do something else in me. If God gave you a dream, don't you dare let it die. Come on, somebody, say Amen. God gave you a dream, don't you dare let it die. Because the dreams, the gifts, the callings of God, all those, those things are without repentance. When God says it, his word will not return to him void. Whatever he has said, he is going to do in you. Get a hold of the dream and don't let go of the dream. We never one more time hear about Joseph's dream. But it's obvious that Joseph hadn't given up on it. He's still believing. He's still trusting. He's still wanting. He's still, still desiring. You remember all those words that we closed with last week? He's still stirring himself up. He's still challenging, and he's still doing his very best, even in prison. So, you know, I, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. Are you in prison? If Joseph can be a righteous man and do what's right when he's been thrown in prison unjustly, then can we not do what is right walking through the trials and the problems that we're dealing with? If we want the dream, then we better. But Joseph has to endure at least, as far as the scripture, we only know this last one probably, but he has to endure one more injustice before it's all over. He, uh, and, and I, I told you this briefly last week, but while he's in prison, he interprets dreams. And he interprets a dream for a, for a, a butler or the cupbearer of Pharaoh who has been thrown in prison for some reason. And the dream that, that he has, Joseph said, hey, your dream, let me tell you, I got good news for you, buddy. You're about to get out of here. And Joseph said, now listen, when you get back to Pharaoh's house, that's what your dream is telling you. You're going back to Pharaoh's house to serve him again. When you get back to Pharaoh, remember me. And tell him about me. Tell him what a good job I'm doing here in prison. Tell him how even the prison warden can, can rest at ease. And tell him how, how, how God is, is speaking through me. Tell him, don't, don't forget me here. I'm, I'm, I've, in, uh, you know, I've interpreted this dream for you, and I've given you this good word. And your buddy didn't get a good word. He's about to die, but, but you're going back, so, so don't forget me. And the last injustice is that he was forgotten. Scripture says for about two years. Two years. You know, Two years. Okay, this is 2014, September. All right, back up two years. 2012, September. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing? For two years, he was forgotten. And, and, and it's, 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 it's so easy to just get overwhelmed with, with feelings of despair and discouragement because nobody remembers anymore. 
Anybody ever been forgotten? Anybody ever been ignored? Anybody ever said, ever said I need prayer? And, and nobody listens, and nobody's praying, and nobody's helping, and nobody's asking, and, no, and you've been ignored, and you've been forgotten, and you've felt forsaken, and nobody's there for you. And I mean, even the people you're helping now, they're, I mean, yeah, your brothers that you ticked off, they sold you to slavery. Potiphar, yeah, they accused you because she was, but here you are, you're doing good for people in prison, and they even forget you. You ever been, for, if you have, let me, let me tell you, you're in good company. Because I could tell you about a lot of people, but let me tell you, Jesus was forgotten. And I don't mean when he was an old, older guy, you know, 32, 33, when they crucified. I mean when he was 12 years old. The Word of God tells us about a time when he was 12 years old and his parents took him to the temple. And, and then they left. They didn't realize he wasn't with them because they were in a big crowd they were traveling with. They thought he was with some of the, I know some of you think that, that's really bad. Uh, but probably if we, were, if we asked people to raise their hand, anybody ever been left anywhere by your parents? A bunch of us would have to raise their hand, wouldn't we? Yeah, uh, I, I'm raising mine right now because I was left. So, you know, I, that's, don't come down too hard on Mary and Joseph, right? But they left and they forgot about him. And then, and then when they get, got back, guess what? They saw him there, and he was, he was talking to the teachers. He was talking to the PhDs of their time uh, that were well-versed and studied in the law and everything. And you know who they were? They were looking for the Messiah. And you know what? They had forgotten what they were looking for because here was the Messiah, 12 years old, standing right in front of them, and they couldn't recognize him. Jesus, the Son of God, has come to his own people, the Jews, and the ones who are supposed to know everything about who he is and everything and know all the, all the prophecies and say, this is the one. They're like, they don't even know. They've forgotten. And then Mary walks up, and she has one of those moments. I told you about one that I had week and, last week. I told you about one I had a week and a half ago. You ever have those moments where you ask God a stupid question because you know the answer, but you you know, just for a few moments, your, your brain just kind of leaves you, you know, and you say, and so she walks up and she sees us, Jesus, we're, we're, we've been worried, sick about you. We, we, we traveled and had come back, hadn't seen you in three days. We thought you were with us and, and you were, we've been, what in the world are you doing? She forgot. She had forgotten that the angel spoke to her in the middle of the night and says, God is about to bring to pass a great move of salvation. And it's going to happen by a baby that's going to be born from your womb. She had forgotten. And Jesus said, this is important. Jesus said, don't you remember, Mom? And why are you confused? Because I've got a mission, and I must be about my father's business. I've got a mission. I've got a mission to bring salvation to the world, and I've got to be doing that. If you're struggling with the dream... If you're struggling with seeing the dream come to pass, if the dream is under attack, and I bet it is, if the, if the dream is slipping through your fingers, and for some of you, I bet it is, and, and you, begin to, you begin to have feelings of doubt and feelings of, uh, of despair and feelings of discouragement and feelings of depression, then raise yourself up like Jesus did. Say, wait a minute, I've got a dream. I've got a dream and I'm on mission. I'm on mission to see this dream happen because the dream is not about me, but the dream is about a lot of people around me and, and, and I have to be busy about the dream in my life. And put all that other side, you've got to make the declaration, I know what I'm called to do and to be. I know the man that I'm called to be. I know the mom that I'm called to be. I know the friend that I'm called to be. I know, I know this calling that God has placed, and I know what I'm supposed to do, and I've got to be on that mission. And so all that other stuff, just, you just, just shut up. I'm not listening to that anymore. Because here, I know we didn't hear this. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't see the vision. We didn't see the dream anymore through Joseph's life. But when it happened, 
You ready? Can I give you this just before we close? I don't want to leave you in prison. Is that okay? Y'all don't want me to leave you in prison, right? Y'all want some hope? Let me give you some hope right here. So we'll close. That when word came, and, and, and finally, two years later, finally, the cupbearer, the butler, he said, oh, Pharaoh, I forgot to tell you, we, we got a guy over in prison. He can interpret dreams. Pharaoh's had a dream, and nobody can interpret it. Let's go to that, go to that scripture right there, Genesis 41. And Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. There's a word there for somebody. And, and here's the thing. You've got, you got to start acting in faith. There's a word there for somebody. And someone here that your dream has been slipping through your fingers, your dream has been in battle, and you don't know if the dream's going to happen anymore, you need to take a hold of this word right here today. There's a word right there for you. You ready for it? Come on, somebody. I need somebody spiritually, even not physically, be on the edge of your seat right now and say, wait a minute, I, I've been waiting on something. Give me a word, Pastor. i got a word for you right there. In that, in that uh, uh, second line right there at the very beginning, quickly. That it, it, it took 13 years for Joseph from the time he had the dream just to get here, and, and it seemed like things were going south the whole time. But then it said, and he was quickly brought from the prison. Somebody, somebody needs to say, that's my word. Let, let, just let the Holy Spirit just, just settle that inside. That's my word, that very quickly it's going to happen. When it happens, it's going to happen quickly. So you know what? You can't be busy about doing other things. you got to keep this right. Because when it happens, you don't have time to get this straight again. You need to make sure this is straight. We haven't heard anything about the dream in 13 years, but it is obvious when, it's, when the dream begins to start unfolding and begins to happen, it happens quickly. And it's obvious that Joseph was ready. He's been, he hasn't been telling us about the dream. There's no more words. There's no more stories about the dream. But he's ready. Because look what it says. After he shaved, changed his clothes, he went in and stood before. Could you imagine? You've been in prison like that, and now you call before Pharaoh? I mean, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be really uh, uh, kind of nervous going in just to, just to meet the president. This is Pharaoh. This is the king who with just one word, your head would be cut off or something, you know? And he shaves. I nick myself, I don't know how many times a week, you know? If I had to go see a king that could take my head off my shoulders and, and they were calling me, and you better hurry up and come quickly, just change your shirt and shave, and, and you got to get, you know, I, I definitely would have had somebody else shave me that day because I, I, I know that I wouldn't be able to shave myself, right? But I see in this, I see in this, I see in this a calmness that he shaved and he changed his shirt because I believe he was thinking inside, it's beginning. It's beginning. In just a few moments, we're going to pray here in this, at the close down front, and I want, you, I want some of you to get that word. I want you to say it's beginning. It's beginning, and when it begins happening, it's going to happen quickly, and I'm going to be ready. Read the rest of this real quick. He went in and stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh told him. I'll skip verse 15. Let me explain it to you. Verse 15, Pharaoh says, look, Joseph, I've had a dream, and nobody can interpret it. They say you know how to interpret dreams, so tell me, Joseph, can you interpret the dream? And Joseph said, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Can you imagine if somebody asked you to interpret a dream? What would you do? I'd ask for a few days of prayer and fasting. I'd, I'd be saying, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pray to God about this. Uh, can you give me a little time? Can you tell me what the dream is? Let me go pray a little bit, and I'll come back. And he says, okay, tell me what the dream is. And he just stands there, and he tells him the dream, and he immediately tells him the interpretation. Joseph, Joseph has not forgotten the dream over these 13 years. He has rehearsed it. He has recited it. He has stirred it. He has kept it. And when the opportunity arises, he says, it's beginning. It's beginning. And he goes and he stands in a calmness and says, yeah, tell me the dream. 
Because this, when he says those words right there, is beyond my power, but God can do this, Joseph doesn't have to worry anymore. Because he said, God, if you don't tell me what this, what this interpretation is, it's on you because I told him you're the one that, has, that knows it. You don't tell them, it's on you, God. So Joseph just stands there in calmness because he is assured this is the moment and it's happened. And some of you need to get that. If you align your dream with God's dream, then it's not your dream that you're begging God to make happen. It's his dream. And so you can just kind of back off a little bit, take, take a quick shave, change your shirt, take a little time, so don't worry about it. God's going to bring the dream to pass because it's not my dream, it's his dream. Align your dream with his. Keep this straight, and he will make the dream come to pass. Would you stand with me, please? And we, we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer, and we'd like to have you join us. If you're a first-time attender, everyone come this way, please. And uh, if you're a first-time attender and you feel comfortable enough, come join us. Prayer team members are kind of scattered around. You'll notice them by a lanyard that they have and it says prayer on their, uh, on their little badge. And please, whenever we come front, if you've got a need, you know, you don't have to wait for this last comment from me. Just go grab one of these prayer team members and just say, hey, pray. I, I, I need prayer right now. But I, I want to ask this just before I give you this last little thought. I want to ask this real quick. How many of you need prayer today? You need a prayer... Some of you are sick. Raise your hand up real high. Prayer team, look. look. You, you want somebody to pray with you right now. Prayer team, be looking right now. Because I know there's some that are sick in this service right now that need. Prayer team, did you get it? you get it? Y'all need to raise their hand one more time? Come on, if you need prayer, raise your hand one more time. I need somebody to pray with me today. Prayer team, look around. Make sure you, make sure you mark where you got to go, okay? Let me tell you this. Here's, here was Joseph's first problem. Is he thought the dream was this big. They're going to bow before me. He thought that was a big deal. They're going to bow before me. But see, what God was showing him, he wasn't showing him that, hey, your brothers are going to say, Hail Joseph, almighty Joseph. That wasn't what it was. They were going to, they were going to, here, Brad. They were going to say, you the man, Joseph. That's what it's going to be. You the man, Joseph. Man, look at what you have accomplished here. That's what it was going to be. It wasn't going to be, oh, no. That wasn't what it was about. He was just showing him, I am going to elevate you to a place where you can take care of your family. And he didn't mean the family that he had then. He meant the family he was going to have. Because when, when we see Joseph at the end of the story, you know what? Joseph got married, and he's had kids. And guess what? His kids are some of the most blessed in the kingdom because Joseph is number two in the kingdom. So his kids have everything that they would ever They are more spoiled than your grandkids are spoiled. They've got everything they want. And this was a dream that God had given him many, many years before. Some of y'all need to hear this. Since you're not married yet. You know, this is not just about today and about what's going on. This is about tomorrow. And this is important so that we, we've got to get this. And that this is what God wants to do for you. This is what, oh, will you close your eyes with me for a moment? And would you dream? And would you say, this is what God wants to do for me? What dreams do you have? Align them with God. And if you know they're aligned, then you can say, this is what, say what it is. Go ahead, say, this is what God wants to do for me. And it's beginning. Oh, come on, somebody whisper it with me. It's beginning. It's beginning. It's beginning in my life. It's beginning. Somebody say quickly. Somebody say quickly. 
quickly. You got to be ready quickly. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Prayer team, you can go ahead. And...